0: I want you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to share the first four verses of this chapter. You say you're going to go further than four verses? Probably not, because this is just loaded, I mean loaded, with great truths from the Bible. How many are glad that we've got a Bible with great truths? Hallelujah. All right, Matthew 16, verse 1 through 4. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word just in salute to the Bible, amen, praise God. The Pharisees, also with the Sadducees, came. What Those two kind of go like together like gasoline and oil. They're tempting, desiring him that he would show them a sign from the sky, or a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you discern the face of the sky, but can Ye cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. I want to use for a subject this morning the greatest sign in the Bible. May be seated the greatest sign in the Bible. Now, I love signs from God, don't you? I love watching God do big things. And when I don't see him doing big things, I read about him doing big things. I love signs. But I want you to understand something. I don't follow the signs The signs follow me. God's blessing follows me. I don't follow after the blessing. His blessing pursues me. Mark chapter 16, verse 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Logan, that's a good verse, isn't it? And these signs shall follow them that believe. So we know that signs follow you and I who believe. Now, I don't think it's so much that the signs are worked up and and done by God uh, because these signs are following us. I think we just have the mental, spiritual capacity to see God moving all around us. And if you can't see God moving all around you today, then you're not watching what's happening around us. God is on the move today. We are approaching the end. He's coming soon, perhaps even today. And so I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about, first of all, I just divided it up in three little thoughts signs in, in the Bible, signs all around us, and number three, the greatest sign will return again. Did you know that the greatest sign in the Bible, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, did you know he's coming back? And Apostle Paul told the church of Corinth, because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, I guarantee you he's going to judge you because he has risen from the grave. You know why we have so many people in the world today that deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ? They don't want to be judged. And they knew that if Jesus Christ rose again from the grave, uh-oh, they're in trouble. Well, I want to say, uh-oh, they're in trouble because Jesus Christ did raise again from the grave. Let me say quickly, and, and I mean no, no preacher ever says anything quickly, but let me say uh, quickly today that if, if God never gave me another sign, I've got enough amen in my soul. I've got enough belief in my heart that I'll follow him whether I ever see another sign. Jesus Christ is an incredible living God. But it's sad because we, we kind of fall into this trap I need a sign. We almost need a sign every day in our life or we get depressed. We've fallen into a trap thinking that we've got to see God, hear God, something, God's got to do something in order to keep us going and fresh. I me know that God put it ever ready, ever energizing, solar, S-O-N-L-A-R, the Son of God. God has put a charging battery in your soul that will never go dead. It's an ever-ready battery from heaven, and God charges you with his life and with his glory. It's called everlasting life. Thank God you're looking at some everlasting life. Now, when I look in the mirror, I need a sign. I'm glad that Jesus Christ gave us a whole book of signs. The Bible is full of signs. Signs in the Bible. Signs like Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Signs like Jesus opening the blinded eyes. Signs like Jesus walking on the water when it wasn't freezing weather. Signs like Jesus Christ Causing the lame to leap for joy. Signs like being born of the Virgin Mary. Amen? Did you know this Bible is full of incredible signs? We can go back to Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created things by the word of his power. We know that reading the scriptures, like the sun standing still for Joshua... We know that reading the scriptures like the Red Sea parting from Moses and the children of Israel to walk across on dry ground. We know the miracles such as I preached Wednesday night on the axe head falling into Jordan and that steel swam to the top because a stick was thrusted in a picture of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Signs in your Bible are there embedded and crystallized for you so that when you run out of signs, you've got a big old thick book full of signs. Amen? In Matthew chapter 1, you have the sign of Jesus being born King of the Jews as a virgin. In Matthew chapter 2, you see the sign, the star of Bethlehem, leading the wise men to where Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews, is. In the third chapter, you see a sign in the heaven. When Jesus is baptized, there's a sound in the sky. When Jesus is baptized, the heavens open up. God speaks out of heaven and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So you have the sign of the virgin birth, the sign of the... The, the star of Bethlehem, the sign of a sound in heaven. I mean, no, there are sounds in heaven. There are sounds all around us from this book that God has created. that God has blessed us and strengthened us and led us in great direction in the things of the Lord. I love signs, but Jesus Christ is faced with someone that wanted Jesus Christ to prove himself. Well, if Jesus Christ hasn't proved himself to you by now, you're going to split hell wide open. That's a tough statement, but it's true. We live in a world that is quickly and very rapidly going toward the judgment throne of God. I'm glad that I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I'm saved. And so these Pharisees and Sadducees, the Pharisees believed in signs. They believed in angels. They believed in the resurrection of the dead. They believed in miracle powers. The Sadducees didn't believe any of that stuff. They were liberals. They didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in resurrection. All the Sadducees believed in was looking good when they went to the temple. Looking good, smelling good, walking good, sounding good. Because all they had was what they thought in this life, and then they died, and that would be the end of it. Got a whole bunch of millions of Sadducees today. Oh, they wouldn't claim to be religious, but they just want to look good, smell good, have goods and go through life, and then they think that at the end of life, that's it, and that was the Sadducees. But it's amazing how the Sadducees and the Pharisees got together. They were arch enemies, but they decided that Jesus, the Sadducees decided that Jesus was tearing up their theology because he was performing miracles. There was People being raised from the dead. Jesus was doing incredible stuff. The multiplication of the five loaves and the two fish and the seven loaves and the few fish. And so the Sadducees were getting all upset. So they got with the Pharisees and the Pharisees said, well, we don't want this man to reign over us. So they wanted to reject Jesus Christ. And so the Sadducees and the Pharisees come to Jesus Christ and said, show us a sign in the sky. Show us a sign in heaven. Prove to us that you're God. You're the Messiah. Just prove to us. Well, first of all, he had been he had already been feeding the hunger with five loaves and two fish. He'd already been Uh, performing miracles, already been uh, cleansing the sick, casting out devils. He'd already been doing incredible miracles. So another sign wasn't going to do any good. But basically what they were asking Jesus to do was maybe call fire out of heaven. I don't know. Maybe do something that would be spectacular. And how many know if they saw it, they wouldn't have believed it anyway? Amen? we got a whole generation today that sees signs all around them, but they don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Bible. And it's obvious that this world, this planet, is headed to the judgment room of God. This planet is headed for the coming Messiah. It's obvious. And so these Pharisees said, show us a sign. And Jesus Christ said, there's not going to be any sign given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonas. He said, I'm not going to give you any signs. He said, you guys think you're so smart. You know, you, you, you discern the sky. You see the sky red in the morning. Sailors take warning, red at night. Sailors delight. You, you say, well, I declare, here comes a black cloud. There's some wind in it. Rain's coming. Oh, Really? And Jesus Christ, I mean, no, everybody back then was a weatherman. They walked out of their tent, looked around. Yep, going to be windy today. Look up in the sky. Yep, I see clouds. It's on its way. You've heard the saying, red at night, sailors delight, red in the morning, sailors take warning. Did you know it was very red this morning, so I guess there's some rainstorms coming in. Sure, glad I ain't out on a ship tonight. I'm gonna to be in a bed tonight. But Jesus Christ says, "You, you, you hypocrites! You can discern the sky. You think you're so smart. You, you, you think you've got it together. You're hypocrites." And He says to these Saddu- Sadducees and Pharisees, "I'm not gonna give you any sign, because He said this is a wicked and sinful generation." He said. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall be no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Now, we're looking at the greatest sign that Jesus Christ said he would give them. Jesus Christ is telling them, I'm going to leave with you a sign and I'm going to depart, and that sign is going to have to be durable until I return again. Jesus Christ gave us an incredible sign, and that sign of his death, burial, and resurrection, the sign that Jesus Christ rose again from the grave, did you know he's coming back? That sign is returning to planet Earth. Woo! Praise the Lord. And Jesus Christ said, "As Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, or the belly of the earth, so sure shall the Son of Man spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth." Now, uh, that's in Matthew chapter 12, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Someone would say, "Well, it, it, this is a great fish, a shark, whale, or whatever." You know, I, I don't know. I would say that if it's, if a fish swallows you, that's pretty, pretty big fish. If it swallows me it's a really big fish i mean i don't jump in the river and say oh no the minnows are coming after me I don't worry about it but i've seen them do that noodling stuff hey man watch the movies where they do the noodling and and in the noodling they go down under the water they disappear for several minutes and they're sticking their hands up under ledge rocks And they're sticking their arm up in a big old catfish and grabbing it and pulling it out and coming up. And every time I watch that, I lose my breath. I thought, my God, they're never coming up. They go down. They bring some fish out that would drown me. Huge fish. And so I want you to understand that when Jesus Christ said, as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth in Matthew 12, and then he talked about there'll be no sign except the sign of the prophet Jonas here in this 16th chapter in verse, uh, verse 3. He talks about the foul weather and so forth, and he said, but cannot discern the times. He said, verse 4, this wicked and adulterous Generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, Jesus Christ is basically saying this He's saying, You want a sign? I'm going to give you the biggest sign of all because you're going to beat me to death. I'm going to be crucified on the cross. I'm going to die. And I'm going to go to the grave, to the heart of the earth, the belly of the earth, the belly of death, and I'm going to go down there diving into this heart-dying, death-trap earth, and I'm going to go down into the deepest despair of the darkness of death, and I'm going to spring up out of the grave, and I'm going to bring forth new creation, a new life. I'm going to raise again from the grave. Amen. Amen. As Jonah spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth or the belly of the well, uh, I think it's beautiful where it uses the term heart of the earth and also in another scripture, belly of the well. And I think it's beautiful that it use those terms because the belly is where you get sick. The belly is where lots of turmoil is. The heart is where you die if you don't get attention. And so Jesus Christ goes down into the heart, the belly of the earth, And there he breaks the powers of darkness, death, hell, and the grave. Greatest sign of all, Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross of Calvary and was butchered on that cross, shedding his blood for the sins of mankind. This Bible declares that Jesus Christ went to the cross, was crucified on the cross, beaten beyond recognition, blood-letting Out of the veins of his body, the blood of God, he agonized on the cross of Calvary, crown of thorns on his head, beaten with a, 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 a reed, spit upon until... He no doubt was nauseated. He that created the rivers and the oceans, they spit in his face. And Jesus Christ, they plucked out his beard. They put him on the cross of Calvary. Uh, the Roman soldiers drove nails in his hands, putting him up, erecting him between heaven and earth as a sacrifice to God Almighty. There they, they beat him beyond recognition. He, he bled in the hot sun. He died on the cross of Calvary offering a sacrifice for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. He was taken down from the cross as dead as he can be, and he was put in a tomb, not just a tomb. He was put in the heart of this dying earth, and not just the heart of this dying earth. He was put in the Belly of this sick, infested, dying world, Jesus Christ went into the dungeons of death, hell, and the grave, and rose again from the grave victoriously, and lives today as our Lord God Almighty, as our Savior. That's the greatest gift and the greatest sign of all. Amen. I, uh, I look at this. And I understand that a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. It's not that they would believe the sign. They just want to make excuses for their wicked and adulterous lifestyle. It's not that they would believe a sign. It's that they just wanted to ignore that Jesus Christ is the eternal, pre-existing Son of God who died on the cross of Calvary and rose again from the grave. Amen. Signs in the Bible. I'm so glad the Bible is full of signs. I'm glad that we can go to the scriptures and see that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the eternal pre-existing savior of the world. He died, he rose again from the grave, he lives The sign, the greatest sign this planet has ever received is the sign that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He died on the cross of Calvary. God sacrificed his son. The greatest sign to this planet Earth is that God stepped down in the midst of our lives and gave his son to die for our sins, raising him from the grave. And the greatest sign of all is he died Graveyard dead, tombstone cold, dead, belly of the earth dead, heart of the earth dead. But three days and three nights later, God raised his son from the grave. He's the living Savior. That's the great sign of the Bible. The great sign of the Bible. And as I said, I don't need another sign to follow Jesus. I've got the sign that sealed my heart forever with eternal life. Jesus died for me, and he rose again from the grave. You see, God created a nation. He called Abraham out of the land of Chaldees. He brought Isaac into the world, the miracle son. Jacob comes, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God creates a nation called Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. God puts that nation in a land, and he put that nation in the land of Canaan, in the promised land. And because of that nation's sin, because of Israel's uh, rebellion to God, God put them back out. In the Babylonian captivity, Assyrian captivity, he scattered them around the world, and when they gathered back together in that 400 silent years between Malachi and Matthew under the Roman rule, Jesus Christ comes to them and says, here I am, 12 tribes of Israel, he presents him as Messiah. They reject Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and Jesus Christ says, okay, all right, and he rose again from the grave. To bring about a New Testament church and seventy day, uh, not seventy day, about thirty-five years after Jesus Christ arose from the grave, a little under thirty-five years, uh, Roman the Titus came, seventy A.D., destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, scattered the children of Israel around the world, and they had no home, had no language. They were scattered for over 2,000 uh, years, scattered everywhere, but in 1948, God put Israel back in a land, the land of Israel. <laughs> Woo! And at that land where Israel was given today, on Golgotha's hill, Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. God prepared not only a nation and prepared not only a land for that nation to live in the promised land and the land they're at now, but God prepared a body to serve his will. And that body was the body of Jesus Christ. God made flesh. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 says, And to do thy will, O God, Thou hast prepared me a body to do thy will, O God. And not only did God prepare himself a body, and in that body the fullness of the Godhead dwelled. In that body God was reconciling the world unto himself to the person of Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. He dies on the cross, purchased our salvation, sheds his blood for the washing away of our sins, goes to the grave, breaks the shackles of death, hell, in the grave. And in the process, God not only prepared a body to die he prepared a body to raise again from the grave. And not only did he prepare a body to raise again from the grave, he prepares a church for Jesus to be glorified in. Yeah. 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 Woo! He prepared a people, a nation. He prepared a nation, a land. He prepared a body, his son, to serve his will, to take away our sins to raise again from the grave. And the jump ahead in Matthew 16, verse um, 15 and on, Jesus asked them, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man I am? And they said, Well, some, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, one of the other. Probably. He said, No, who do you say I am? And, and, and Peter said, uh, Well, you're the Christ. You're the living Son of God. Thou art the Christ, the living Son of God. And, and Jesus Christ said to Peter, Uh, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. but flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My Father revealed this to you. And upon this rock, upon the truth that Jesus Christ is Messiah, Jesus Christ is Savior, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is God, reconcile on that rock, I'll build my church, Jesus Christ said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus Christ also builds him a church. Wow, I love that, don't you? I love it, I love it, I love it. And so Jesus Christ says to those Pharisees and uh, and those Sadducees, I'm not gonna give you a sign except the sign of prophet Jonas. And we know the story. Jonah was cast out of the ship into the sea. God prepared a fish. I mean, if you were a fish, you'd have to be totally prepared to swallow a backslid preacher. He prepared a fish. Jonah's going to spend three days and three nights in Whale's in. Jonah goes down to the depth under the waters for three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. He agonizes. He feels the pressure of darkness, the pressure of pain and sorrow. He goes down under the water. Jonah's there for three days and three nights. After three days and three nights, the whale comes up to the shore of Nineveh where Jonah was supposed to go in the first place. I mean, no, he'd have been much happier if he took a ship instead of a whale over there. God's going to get you where you need to go if he has to drag you kicking and screaming. And so the whale regurgitates, spits up, vomits Jonah up on the dry ground at Nineveh. I often thought of this. There was only two ways out of that well. Now, some says, well, the upspout, that's not a way out. Trust me. If you're going to get out of that well, you either got to come out the front side or the back side. And if you come out the back side, you're done. If you come out the front side, you live. Jesus Christ went into the tomb. He did not come out the backside. He did not decompose. He did not be eaten by the acidity of this world's wickedness. He did not suffer corruption. Rigor mortis did not enter into his body. He was put in a tomb, preserved, and there went down into the heart of the earth, into the dark waters of our despair. And he did not come out the backside of this planet. He came out on front side up, rose again from the grave, and now he tells Nineveh and all the other nations of the world, repent, for the Son of God is coming. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, there's signs all around us. I talked a little bit about signs in the Bible, and I love reading about the signs in the Bible. How many love reading about the signs in the Bible? Wonderful. The greatest sign, it wasn't the sign that Jesus opened the blinded eye that saved me. It wasn't the sign that Jesus cleansed the leper that saved me. It wasn't the sign that Jesus walked on the water that saved me. It inspired me. I went, oh, wow. It wasn't the signs that Jesus did feeding the uh, multitude with five loaves and two fish or seven loaves and fishes. It wasn't the great mirror, It wasn't the raising of Lazarus that really stirred me. What really saved me was when Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary for me. He shed his blood For me. He agonized on the cross. For me. He shed his blood. For me. He agonized there and went to the grave. For me. And he rose again from the dead. For me. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that has changed my life forever. In fact, you've got to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to ever be saved. You can believe you can believe in the blind seeing again, you can believe in the lame leaping for joy, you can believe in walking on water, you can believe the Bible, but until you personally believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Awesome Messiah, Redeemer, Savior of the world, and he went to the cross for your wicked sins, for your f- filth, for your transgression. And he died on the cross for you. And he was put in a tomb for you. And he rose again from the grave for you. And one day he's coming back again for you. Yes. Woo! That sign is the greatest sign in all the Bible. In fact, that sign is reproduced all around us. Look at the weather. In the spring, the trees will resurrect. Look at the flowers. In the spring, the flowers will resurrect. There's hope for you, some of you. When warm weather gets here, you will resurrect. But all around us, the corn dies in order to produce corn. The grain of wheat dies in order to produce wheat. The seed dies, quickens, so that it can produce more life. It is just a fact that the resurrection is all around us. Every morning, you got out of bed, a picture of resurrection. You didn't know what you were doing. You're laying there in bed. You're snoozing away. You don't know what's going on. You don't know whether or not you men don't know whether or not your wife's putting firecrackers between your toes. You don't know that. You don't know if she's getting ready to sew you up in the bedspread and beat you with a ball bat. Well, I'm, I'm really encouraging people to take a nap now. Well, let, me give you a, let me give you a little word of advisement, men. Be good to her. Because you have to sleep. Amen. But every, every night you go to sleep, you get up. It's a picture of resurrection. I've been, I've been practicing resurrection for 70 years now. I go to sleep, I get up. I go to sleep, I get up. I go unconscious, I'm asleep, I get up. I get up, I get up, I get up. And I, man, I've, I've had the get ups for 70 years. Resurrection, been practicing the resurrection. When it comes time for us to die, as Christians, we'll just fall asleep. And we'll get up like we do every other morning in resurrection. There's signs all around us pointing to resurrection. There's signs around us, everywhere around us. Stop and think about it. What, ne- what generation has ever witnessed the return of Israel, the Jewish people, to the nation of Israel? What generation around us has watched a scattered nation, lost their language, return back home to the homeland, Canaan land? And they're, they're in Israel right now, awaiting the coming of a Messiah. They'll pick the wrong one, but Jesus Christ is coming. What generation... Has seen so much happen in our lifetime. I think it was interesting. They were looking for a sign in the sky. I wonder what they'd have done, sky and, a sign in heaven, a sign in the sky. I wonder what they'd have done if Jesus would have sent about 15,000 bombers over, jet bombers over their head. So, well, there wasn't any of them around then. I know it would have been impressive, wouldn't it? Nothing was in the sky back then but birds, sun, the moon, the stars. The only thing they seen was birds and bats and whatever in the sky. We have seen the sky filled with miracles. The jet airplane, the jets, the spaceships, the going back and forth missiles and different types of technology. We are living in a generation that has expanded. The book of Daniel. Daniel speaks of the last time. He speaks of the end time. And in the 12th chapter, small chapter of the book of Daniel, he talks about Michael, the archangel, standing up for Israel, the people of God. And he talks about the end time, what to expect. And here's what he said about our time. I said our time. This is what he said about our time. Daniel 12, verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words... And seal up the book. Even to the time of the end. Our time. The end. Many shall run to and fro. And knowledge shall be increased. Have we not seen that? Have we not seen our president, presidents, leaders of the world travel from nation to nation to and fro? Have we not seen going to and fro by the way of of, of, of television or video uh, sound and, and equipment? Have we not seen the advance of medicine? Have we not seen the advance of the jet age? And the space age, and the AI age, and the uh, in, uh, intelligent uh, um, artificial intelligent age—have we not seen many great things? Yes, we've seen the signs. We we've not only we're not only in the jet age, the space age, the AI age, the artificial intelligence age—they're uh, going to and fro upon the earth age. Uh, we have not only excelled in 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 medicine, and excelled in knowledge, and excelled in military power, nuclear weapons and energy. We've not only excelled in all that, in the process of excelling with such intelligence, we are stooped and bound in this nation by insanity. Hello. You stop and think about it. The missiles, the jet age, the space age, the AI, artificial intelligence age, the, the, the great strides that we've made just in the last few years. But I'll remind you it's also the death age. The graveyards keep filling up anyway. People die anyway. There's people that have themselves frozen thinking they'll come back in a century later they have themselves frozen thinking that medical advance and technology will be so advanced that when they thaw you out they'll know what to do and they'll bring you back well i'm not that crazy about being that cold i was almost sacrificed to that this week but who wants to be brought back to life frostbit all over and that's not going to happen anyway. When that brain stops working, you're going. I said, you're going. Amen? And so we all around us is signs. Signs that are good, signs that are bad. Death is a sign. The graveyard is a sign. And if the graveyard won't grip your soul... I don't know what will. If death of a loved one doesn't grip your heart, I don't know what will. If death, us leaving, going out into a world, not knowing where we're going, as a Christian we know, but if you're not, you don't know where you're going. I can tell you where you're going if you're not a Christian. You're going to hell, that's where you're going. But we need to understand, we live in a world today, and if that sign of the graveyard won't shake you to turn to Jesus Christ, you're an evil and a wicked generation. You want to hang on to what you're doing. And Jesus Christ said, I'm going to give you the greatest sign of all. And he did. They butchered him on the cross of Calvary. That same body that they massacred, that same body the Romans and the Jews declared to be crucified, that same body that our sin nailed him to the cross of Calvary, that same body that Jesus Christ died and was brutally crucified beyond recognition as a man that was beaten with a cat of nine tails, that same body that had nail prints in his hand, that same body that Jesus Christ died, went to the tomb, rose again from the grave, went back to the Father. He appeared before 500 and more that he was resurrected from the grave. He left us this book, the account, A.D. and B.C., B.C. and A.D. He left us the account that I've risen, I'm coming back, I'm coming, Jesus Christ is telling, listen, Jesus has permeated this Bible with the words, I will come again. This whole Bible is filled with Jesus' words, I will come again. And he won't come again if he didn't raise from the dead. But he did raise from the dead, and he will come again. That sign that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, was buried and rose again from the grave, that sign is returning. I mean, the same body that Jesus Christ was crucified in, he'll be glorified then, but he will return in that same body. Amen? That body's returning again. All around us is signs. The computer age. Knowledge shall increase. All around us is signs. The threat of nuclear destruction, annihilation. All around us is signs of death and and disease, and famine, and sorrow, all around us is signs, but Jesus Christ said, I want to give you a sign that'll take you through the graveyard. I want to give you a sign that will take you through the despair of this world, and that sign is, as Jonah spent three days and three na- nights in the heart of the earth, so shall the Son of Man spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, the belly of the earth, and raise again from the grave. Jesus Christ gave us that great sign. Isn't that good? And that sign's going to return again. Zechariah 13:6. they'll look at him and see his wounded hands, his pierced side. The Jews will. Zechariah 14 verse 4, he comes to the Mount of Olives and it cleaves to the east and the west, the great earthquake. Jesus returns. Revelation 19 verse 11 to 15, he comes back riding on a white horse and the armies riding back with him, conquering to bring, back, uh, to bring back his kingdom to planet earth. That same body that died on the cross of Calvary rose again from the dead and Jesus Christ is coming again to take us home I'm excited about going home I'm excited about the fact that I have a Savior that cannot be moved that cannot be destroyed the greatest sign will return again the same body that was crucified on the cross of Calvary will return again the same Savior that took the nail in his hands and feet will return again The same Savior that was put in a tomb, died for the sins of the world, rose again from the grave, will come again. And when he comes again, he'll come in great power and great glory. And I'm looking for the sign to reappear of the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth to the west, even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus Christ is coming like lightning out of the east, shining across to the west. So shall it also be, when the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew 26, verse 64, he says to the high priest, he says to them, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you hereafter, Ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of, of the power and the coming in the clouds of heaven. Jesus Christ said, I'll be, I'll be sitting on the right hand of power, coming in the clouds of heaven. Jude verse 14, And he also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands Innumerable amount of his saints. Jesus Christ is returning with his church. He's coming back in the clouds of glory with his church. Somewhere between him coming to earth in the clouds of glory in great power. Somewhere with him coming back, that same Jesus that died on the cross of Calvary. Somewhere him leaving the strong room and going to Israel and gathering his people back. Somewhere between there and getting to Israel, Jesus Christ's is going to pick us up. Amen. 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 Pick me up, Jesus. I'm a hitching a ride. Amen. And so I'll be thumbing, hitching a ride. And Jesus come and catch us up into the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. I'll say, I want to go with you down to Mount of Olives. I want to go with you down. And Jesus says, You're not ready yet. We got to go over and well, we got to have a marriage first. We got to have a time in which we can seal this relationship between you and, and me, this relationship between the church and Jesus Christ. And that that relationship will be sealed. And Jesus Christ will return. And you and I will return with him. And as we return with him, we'll be praising God because we believed that Jesus Christ died and rose again. He did not go out the digestive system of planet Earth, He did not go out the digestive system of the whale well or the belly of the earth. He came out of the mouth. Amen. Jesus Christ said to death, dead, say, all," And Jesus Christ came out of the grave. And that great sign of Jesus Christ returning. You know, there's not a one of us that doesn't like to see a few signs. There's not a one of us that doesn't like to see God do some big stuff. When we get sick... We want God to show us another sign. When we go through a storm, we want God to show us another sign. When we're fearful and afraid, we want God to show us another sign. When we're going through a terrible time, we want God to show us another sign. But I want you to know if I'm sick and God shows me no sign, if I'm troubled and God shows me no sign, If I'm in a storm and God shows me no sign, I want him to, and praise God when he does. But if I'm going through a hectic, horrific time in my life and God shows me no sign, he's given me the greatest sign of all. It's enough to get me from planet earth to heaven. The sign of Jesus Christ dying on the cross of Calvary, raising again from the grave. So don't flip over in your bed and say, oh, God, please give me a sign. Jump out of your bed and say, thank God God gave us a sign. He's coming back soon. Amen? Our Lord's coming back soon. I believe that, don't you? I believe that Jesus Christ is going to return any moment in the clouds of glory. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so when you're weary and when you're tired and you're sick and you want a sign, thank God he gives us a sign sometimes. That's why sometimes we got to go to the book and borrow a sign. Hello? If I'm sick and God don't give me a sign in the sky, he give me one right here. He is the God that healeth us of all our sicknesses and diseases. He gave me a sign in the book, in the Bible. That he's a God of incredible strength and there's nothing impossible with him to him that believeth. That God is the God of the impossible. That God can do anything. That Jesus Christ is the mighty conqueror and there's nothing too hard for God. Miracles are coming. Why? Because it's him possible. Everybody point up and say him possible. Point up a him possible. Yeah, you see... Jesus Christ makes it all possible. And he has showed us in the Bible sign after sign after sign. And sometimes we go to the Bible to get those signs, to encourage us and strengthen us. But if we were not to get another sign, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ has sealed my heart and my soul. Jesus Christ has sealed me with the Holy Spirit of redemption. Jesus Christ has sealed me until the day of redemption. He has sealed me with his love when he died on the cross of Calvary. He sealed me with his power when he died on the cross, shed his blood for my sin. He shielded me with his goodness and his glory and his word and his Holy Spirit. He has sealed me until the return of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Sometimes the storms come. And if you live a life of wanting a sign all the time. Trust me, you're going to be tried beyond despair. If you live a life where all you're doing is looking for Jesus to give you a sign, there are preachers out there that all they do is preach a sign. All they do is talk about God's going to give you a sign. Well, he gave us a whole book of them. And sometimes he does give us a sign. But I want you to know preachers need to spend more time preaching the greatest sign of all. That's what I want to do. I want to spend the rest of my life preaching the greatest sign of all. That Jesus Christ spent three days and three nights in the heart of the belly of the earth. And he rose again from the grave. And that same sign's coming back. When he comes back in the clouds of glory, he's coming in great power. When he comes back, he's coming as the resurrected Son of God. When he comes back, he's coming, the Son of Man, in the clouds. And he's coming back with nail prints in his hands. He's coming back with a pierced side. He's coming back with uh, with scars, uh, uh, wounds upon his head. He's coming back, no longer a crowd of thorns, but a crown of many crowns, many crowns of glory. He's coming back, but he's coming back in that same body, resurrected Son of God. And we're going to shout glory, 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 because the sign will be the same when he returns. You say, I want something deep, preacher. I don't know of anything deeper than the heart of the earth. Dead and resurrected from the grave. I don't know anything deeper than Jesus Christ literally changing our life and giving us eternal life. Amen. I'm thankful for the fact that Jesus Christ gave us a sign. And Jesus Christ said, "This evil and adulterous, sinful generation seeketh out their sign, but there'll be no sign but the sign of Jonas the prophet. And you can go to Matthew 12 and see that. We talked about that weeks back. That sign of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that sign changed it from B.C. to A.D. That sign changed the world. Ground zero, the cross of Calvary, ignited shockwaves around the planet. The tomb is empty. Buddha is still in the grave. False gods are still in the grave. Muhammad is still in the grave. But Jesus Christ is not in the grave. He conquered death, hell in the grave. He rose again from the grave. And one day he's returning. And that sign will be as from the east to the west. That sign when the Son of Man coming, you'll see the sign of him coming in great power and great glory. And Zechariah 13 and 14 says they'll see his wounds. They'll see his pierced side. Because the sign will return. And Jesus on the Mount of Olives with his glorified sovereign church standing there on that Mount of Olives with angelic beings all around and the church standing there in splendor and glittering uh, robes of white righteousness. They will stand there and Jesus will stand on that mountain with nail prints in his hands and he'll say to the nation of Israel, you missed the sign. I double back again. So that you don't miss the sign. What Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary was a permanent work for God the Father. What Jesus Christ did for you and I was a permanent work. God hasn't changed his mind to save us some other way. He cannot, he will not. He brought, he gave his son Jesus for our sins. What Jesus Christ did on that cross was permanently. Was permanent, he died, he rose again from the grave, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God is raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The gospel of Jesus Christ, he died. He rose again from the grave. Everywhere Paul went, he preached of the resurrection of the dead. He preached that Jesus was not a dead Messiah, a living Messiah. That Jesus was not a dead God, but a living God. He preached that he's coming back to judge the quick and the dead. He's coming back to bring judgment upon planet Earth. He's coming back. Thank God, Jesus Christ has given me a get out of jail card. Thank God Jesus has dropped the charges on me. Amen? I can't tell you how it feels to have a judge drop the charges on you. Some of you know. I remember one time I was a teenager. I got out and got seven tickets in one night. Seven tickets in one night. The police officer never caught me because I outran him. But the police officer knew where I lived. You know, teenagers really think it through, don't they? And I go down to the pool hall, and he knew I would be there. I'm really thinking it through. And that sucker wrote me seven tickets. He said, now you're going to go see Judge Sloan. Well, Judge Sloan and I were not the best of friends. It was a little city clerk courtroom. My day came. And Judge Sloan looked at me and he said, Young man, I see you got a ticket and 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 a ticket. And I said, Don't rub it in. He said the police officer told me that you were grabbing heels going up Highlandville Hill, you were grabbing gears. He said, sound like, said your car sounded like it was grabbing 15, 20 gears going up the. I slowed down for the police officer halfway up Highlandville Hill so he could catch up with me. I ran off and left him. And Judge Sloan said to me, Young man, how many gears you got in that car? I said, it's a five-speed. He said, well, the police officer said you were grabbing 15 or 20 of them up over the hill. He said, what's under your hood? And I told him it was a 390. He said, I'm not worried about what's under the hood. I'm concerned about who's behind the wheel. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? This is an unusual case. He said, since you have entertained me a great deal. Even the officer laughed a lot. He said, you give me 20 bucks and get out of my courtroom. Charges dropped. Court cost 20 bucks. Oh, that felt good. I got in my car. Eat! Out there out of the way. Teenager, not very smart. I didn't get caught, but not very smart. Jesus Christ will drop the charges for you if you'll be honest with him. Amen? Somebody sent me a message on the church Facebook. They asked the question. I think they were sincere when they asked the question. They said, what if a man mistreats his wife and and, uh, his, his daughter, and God has dealt with him many times over to... Give his life to Christ. What if that man gets up one morning, his wife, his daughter's gone, and the Lord has come? Does he still have a chance? That's a hard question to answer. And I said, well, if the strong delusion to believe a lie doesn't catch him first, if he's he's just scared and terrified, no, he don't have a chance. But if he's an honest seeker with contrition in his heart, with conviction over his sin, and he's seeking the truth, yes, he still has a chance. He hasn't responded to my statement. I know what he was trying to refer to, that God would send a strong delusion to believe a lie, but just remember that strong delusion to believe a lie is not to... The world, per se, it's to the Jewish people to believe the Messiah. And yes, there is a strong delusion. In fact, there's one right now in our world. People are believing a lie. People are believing a lie. Listen, if, if the government's moving their lips right now, they're lying. I'm not trying to be mean to politicians. I'm just saying you can't believe what's said anymore. But you can believe this. You can believe God's word. Amen. You say, "Well, preacher, do you believe in storing up beef jerky and dry beans for a uh, great hard times?" Shoot, my mom and dad believed in storing up dry s- soup beans, and because we were having a hard time. If they stored it up. Back then, I don't see no problem with storing up some beans and beet jerky. Say, but if the Lord's coming, why do you need it? Well, I'll go up in the rapture with beet jerky between my teeth. See, I'm not trusting my strength or my ability. We should prepare for hard times. Amen. We should prepare. We should prepare for troubled times. Rich people today are building big bunkers deep in the earth. They're building million-dollar, billion-dollar places in the bunkers in the depth of the earth because they know something's coming horrific. Yeah? Jesus is coming. And if you don't know him, it's going to be horrific. And there's no bunker deep enough to keep you from the judgment of God. Amen. Death can't even keep you from God. He just tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, we gotta talk. Amen. I, I think it's so important that we understand today that if we're gonna make it through this world, we've got to believe the big sign, the greatest sign of all, that Jesus Christ shed his blood, went to the grave. Rose again from the grave. And today, he has given this sign not only to you and I, as believers, he's given this sign to this adulterous and sinful generation. And this adulterous and sinful generation is not seeing the signs. And one day, they'll see the sign because he'll return in the same body he was crucified in. He'll return. Great power. The sign will return. Isn't that good? Stand with me. We're gonna give an invitation. The sign will return. I hope the Lord has spoken to you today. I hope the Lord has ministered to your heart today. The greatest thing that anyone could ever do. It is to bow at the feet of the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ, and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I have sinned. I deserve judgment. I deserve even death. But, Jesus, my heart is so shattered. My heart is so broken. Because I know God, who has given me so much, he gave me his all, he gave me his son. And Jesus Christ has died on that cross for me. He rose again from the grave for me. And that's why I want to bow at the feet and believe that he died for me. He rose again from the grave for me. And one day he's coming back again for me. Now Jesus is coming back. Look at me. Look at me. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. Let me look at you face to face. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. I said Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for you. Either because you're saved and you're trusting in him. Or he's coming back to judge you. But he is coming back. We need to put it all under the blood of Jesus Christ. All of our sins, all of our wickedness under the blood of Jesus Christ. So as they play and sing, I want to invite you to come to an altar today and say, I want to bow at the feet of Jesus. And I want to ask Him to forgive me, to save me, to give me life say yeah, I want a sign I want a sign I want a sign I just give you the greatest sign of all quit trying to say if God will do this then I'll believe him quit that that'll put you in hell quit saying if God will do this I'll believe there's a God quit that that'll send you to hell believe what Jesus Christ did for you he died on the cross rose again from the grave believe him trust him and he'll save you today He'll give you eternal life. You come, altars open.